Hey, all cable here in this week's podcast brought to you by PhoneScope, the way to get that long range footage you've always wanted. Yeah, it's so easy. All you do is attach the PhoneScope to your phone and then attach that to your spotting scope or binos. And now you're videoing what you're viewing through your optic with your cell phone camera. It's that easy. And so it's perfect for long range scouting as well as if you're taking a shot at distance uh, like I was doing in Africa, you can actually see that vapor trail of the bullet and you know that way you can tell where you hit the animal if it's a good shot if you hit him high back whatever i hope you recover that animal hopefully and uh, and it's really just a cool content to share with your friends and family check it out it's the phone scope and you'll save 10% off of your purchase if you use the promo code lone star that's lone star when you order at phonescope.com right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show, powered by our friends over at Dallas Safari Club. I'm Cable Smith. Thanks to our presenting sponsors as well, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players. And thanks to you for being here today. It is so great to be talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks today. There is no place I'd rather be, uh, especially with September 1st upon us. Uh, hunting season is so close I can taste it. I can smell those dove. I'm not kidding you. They have that unique smell. I can smell them on my hand already, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and by the way, save those dove hearts. Might sound gross. Absolutely phenomenal table fare. Uh, so save those little dove hearts. Uh, make enchiladas out of them. Also, uh, you can baste them in barbecue sauce, put them on a toothpick, and slap them on the grill. Mm. I'm telling you, it's where it's at. Anyway, it's so great to be here with you. Uh, we've got an amazing show planned for you today, so you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos. Maybe you spike it with uh, your granddaddy's cough syrup. Maybe you don't, either way. Uh, just make sure that it's hot and it's black. That's the way I like it. Uh, we Like I said, got a lot to get into today, so... Uh, let's give you a little rundown off the top. We will have our fall dove season forecast like we do about this time every year. Uh, Sean Oldenberger, Texas Parks and Wildlife Dove Program Leader, will be here. We'll take a look at uh, the number of morning dove and white wings that live here in Texas year-round, our resident population, uh, versus the migratory ones. And then what percentage of the overall U.S annual dove harvest does Texas account for? It's pretty dang high. <laughs> let me just uh, let me just give you that hint there. Um, but uh, Sean will give us his fearless forecast uh, prediction, you know, on how the upcoming season uh, should shake out. I uh, think it's going to be a good one, but Sean will give us the lowdown. Also, do you know how many shells the average hunter takes to kill one dove? Uh, that's pretty fascinating. We'll get into that too. It's pretty high. <laughs> uh, after that, we will be joined by uh, the true sweetheart 
of the hunting industry, uh, Eva Shockey. Yes, her dad was a famous hunter, but give the gal credit. Um, she took the opportunity to make a name for herself, and, man, she was off and running. And I remember the first interview we did with Eva, got to be five, six years ago, when she was just scratching the surface, just killing her first animals ever. Uh, and now look at her on cover of Field and Stream, uh, a new book about to come out. We'll get into all of that. Uh, new mom as well. Uh, so we've got a lot of catching up to do uh, with Eva Shockey. Then uh, we will, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, and I'm excited about this. Uh, I'll play a segment or an interview that I taped while on safari in South Africa. Uh, we sat down in Carl Van Seel's uh, trophy room there at John X Safaris at the lodge, and uh, we got into a discussion regarding what do American hunters' dollars really do for conservation on the ground in Africa. So don't take it from me. Don't take it from your buddy. Uh, take it from a guy who lives it day in and day out on the dark continent. Uh, so that's coming up in a bit. Uh, then we will wrap things up uh, by introducing the new Scent Blaster. That's right. If you use Scent for any hunting application, whether that's hogs, um, more commonly deer, or you know predators, spring bear, whatever the case, if you use a Scent attractant, then you need to know about the Scent Blaster. If you're tired of your wicks drying out while you're still on the stand, hey, I've got a solution for you. And Scent Blaster uh, owner and creator, Heath Hardwick, will be here live in studio at the bottom of the hour. So cool stuff, uh, a great new product that I'm excited to be using in the Whitetail Woods this fall. That's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one, guarantee you that. A uh, couple other things. Don't forget our August photo of the month contest going on right now. We're offering up a pair of uh, Rocky boots to this month's winner. All you have to do, send in your best hunting or fishing photo to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com, and uh, we'll get you entered into our monthly contest. And then the 12 monthly winners uh, from 2017 will square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me down at the lovely Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. Uh, let's do a uh, let's do a giveaway here. Uh, we've still got two. Well, this weekend we're in San Antonio for the Trophy Hunter Show. If you're interested in coming to the Corpus Christi Show, uh, I've got two VIP passes to the Extravaganza next weekend. We'll throw in a Lone Star Beer camo T-shirt and a Texas Trophy Hunters camo cap. So a cool prize pack there. Third person to text in the word. What are we doing here? Let's do let's do dove. Hell, dove season starts this week. Third person to text in the word dove to 214-289-7807 will win uh, the Lone Star Beer camo shirt, Texas Trophy Hunter VIP passes to the Corpus Show, and a uh, Texas Trophy Hunters uh, cap as well. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We've got so much to get into today, so little time to do it. We'll be right back uh, with Sean Oldenberger, Texas Parks and Wildlife Dove Program Leader. We'll get his fearless forecast for the upcoming season right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey, y'all, Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters. And whether you want to bow hunt hogs or 
get after them with thermal imaging and night vision. Under the cover of darkness, 3Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean, just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields. Or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3Curl.com to book your next hog hunt. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's, once again, the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H's in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. I was alone there with no birds in sight I did everything that I could and went to the roost at night I don't know where it started or where it might end And I was in danger of being scumped once again Looking for Dove in all the wrong places. A little parody there by our friend James Yates bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here. And, man, I'll tell you what, I've been looking for Dove in all the wrong places plenty of times. Hopefully not this next week, though, as the uh, North Central Zone Dove opener is upon us. Can y'all believe it? September 1st, almost here. And shotguns will be ringing out all over Texas before you know it. Uh, we'll get into a little dove forecast momentarily with our Texas Parks and Wildlife dove program leader, Sean Oldenberger, here in just a second. But before we break out our trusty 12 or 20 gauge, this segment of the show proudly brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'd like to invite you to get plugged in with this great group of outdoorsmen and women who are passionate about conservation, hunters' rights, and education. For more information, check us out at biggame.org. All right, uh, well, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest here. He's a longtime friend of the show. We visit with him about this time every year. Uh, our Texas Parks and Wildlife Dove Program Leader, Sean Oldenberger, thanks for being here, brother. Yeah, appreciate having me. If you're visiting with us, that means uh, we're usually talking some kind of winged quarry uh, for the uh, Texas sportsman. 
today with dove season well opening up uh, on the first which is friday uh, we're going to talk some morning doves and then maybe even a little uh, white wing action here in just a minute but uh first of all tell us what you've been up to my friend Oh, it's uh, it's been busy. Uh, regulations are getting out, and the outdoor annuals now are out, and the regulations are online. So it's just been busy uh, dealing with the finalized regulations and getting that all to the public and making sure everybody knows uh, knows what to do September 1st. Right. And we do have a different framework for uh, dove season this year, correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, we actually expanded what historically was known as the special white wing dove area, which uh, was those first two weekends in September uh, in a special area within the south zone uh, where you can harvest mostly white wing doves. A couple morning doves were allowed in your daily bag limit, but we've actually expanded that this year to the whole south zone. Oh, wow. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, cool stuff on that front. Um, well, let's talk morning doves for folks not in the south zone. Uh, what uh, what does our population look like this year? How is our spring hatch, and uh, how do you foresee the uh, the opening weekend going? Well, we had uh, a really good March, April, May, early May hatch on morning doves across the state. Uh, we had good precipitation levels almost everywhere. Um, and then we kind of hit that spotty weather, depending on where your XY coordinates are in the state. Um, you had some consistent precipitation. Other areas got fairly dry. Uh, those areas that got fairly dry, probably, uh, pre you know, you had production fall off. Uh, but those other areas that had consistent uh, precipitation, we probably have had good production up through right now, actually, on morning doves. And overall, it looks like it be a good year. Um, age ratios have been up the last few years with good precipitation across the state. And our populations have also been up across the state uh, due to coming out of the drought. So I look forward to a, a very good year. Um, last year, we harvested uh, just around about 5.2 million uh, morning doves in the state. And we probably expect our harvest this year to be similar to that. Uh-huh. So 5.2 million for Texas hunters. And that means that uh, we flung out about 25 million shot shells. <laughs> if you assume that uh, for every bird shot, there's five shotgun shells, uh, that would be correct. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of shotgun shells. But I, I was in a sports store last night, and it looks like they're prepared for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> they always are. Uh, yeah, well, and, and I found a way to combat that. I'm not saying it makes me a better shot, but uh, I don't always – I don't fling that third shell anymore because I, I shoot a uh, over-under the last couple seasons. Really enjoy that. Uh, helps you, you know, save a little bit of money anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't actually, know if it's more money or pride that you <laughs> save at that point. But I, I just purchased one uh, this summer, so I'll have one out for the first time dove hunting uh, this September. So uh, it'll be see if it saves me in the pocketbook or not. Awesome. And now, did you go with the 12 or 20? I went with a 20. Um, that uh, 12 is the most popular for Texas hunters, but I just went with a 20 just for a, a little bit more challenging sport for me personally. It doesn't mean anything in regards to any other hunter. Just uh, it was a personal decision. Uh huh. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I got one, um, the best of both worlds. I, Mossberg sent me one that has a interchangeable uh, barrel. So 20 for a dove, and when I go pheasant or grouse hunting, I usually switch over to the 12 gauge. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's talk about as far as uh, you said 5.2 million morning dove were harvested in Texas mm -hmm. uh, last year. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty much on par with what we've been averaging lately? Yeah, we've been averaging around about 5 million every year, according to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service harvest estimates, and so that's been pretty consistent. Uh, we did have a little uh, downtake a few years ago, and then uh, back in the drought there was a little bit of a going down as well. But uh, for the most part, we're we're in the neighborhood of about 5 million on an annual basis. That doesn't seem to fluctuate too much. Uh -huh. And let me ask you this. 
do you have any numbers, and if you don't, it's no big deal, but I figured I'd ask, about how many morning dove are harvested across the country every year? That information is available, um, and right off the top of my head... Or what percentage Texas makes out of that? Uh, yeah, that, that that's fair. It, it varies on a year-to-year basis, obviously, um, depending on how other states do and where other populations are. Um, but we've ranged anywhere from about 30 to a little over 40% of all the nation's morning doves uh, being harvested right here in the Lone Star State. <laughs> that's incredible. It's, incre- it's it's amazing that September 1st isn't a holiday, a statewide holiday. It, 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 it was last year, I believe, it because it did fall on Labor Day. So, I mean, uh, we just need to make that happen more often. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, okay, so cool stuff on that front. About how many morning dove do we have, and you can break this down into two numbers, uh, resident birds, and then about how many migrate through during the winter? Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, when we look at the population on September 1st, and that's how we estimate it, we're not going to get into those weeds, but uh, basically uh, we have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 160, 107, 170 million morning doves in what we call the central management unit, and that's from the Rocky Mountains to the Mississippi River. Uh, when we look in within Texas, uh, we probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 50, 40, Five to about 55, 60 million September 1st. That's not, uh, there's no, uh, that's kind of a guesstimate with some basis of a little bit of a survey data on that. Mm-hmm. So we have a fairly large percentage of those doves September 1st actually residing within the state, um, probably with at least a third, whereas two thirds of those birds are coming from the north of us. And so September 1st, we're harvesting a lot of local birds. And then within, depending on what weather is up north, uh, obviously September 1st in, in North Dakota can be very nice out or it can be chill chilly. So uh, depending on how that precipitate, how those patterns of weather come across the northern plains, we can have a lot of birds moving down those first couple of weeks in September into October, or they can stay a little bit farther north. Depends on the year. Hmm. Now, um, John, what about as far as uh, the, the recent rains we've had across much of, especially like the North Texas area? Um, how does that play into, you know, you've been out scouting maybe last week. You, you found a power line on your dove field that was holding three, four hundred, five hundred birds. Uh, do you think this rain will push those birds out? I think for right now, uh, based on what, you know, weather patterns we're having, I think we're probably okay in the localized area. Uh, I'd be more concerned about whether they're harvesting agricultural crops in that local uh, area. Uh, usually when you have large number of a bird sitting on a power line like that, it probably means you have some newer crop that's been uh, left over seed on the landscape or something like that. So, you know, if they happen to be harvesting a crop that's a little bit farther away, you know, that those birds may move. Obviously, birds move all over the place, and um, uh, but I wouldn't be too concerned quite yet. Obviously, you got some time here, and uh, hopefully it dries out and we have good weather uh, on opening weekend. Well, let's talk, uh, let's talk white wings uh, for the south zone guys. Obviously, they have morning dove down there too, but uh, that's where you really get into the... Uh, the white wing's pretty thick, so uh, how many white wings do we typically have in Texas uh, come September 1st? Or, well, oh, yeah, that's when the, the special south zone unit opens, uh, white wing unit opens, so. Yeah, the, the the white wing dove area, or what now is the south zone for the special two weekends, we're calling it the special white wing dove days in the south zone. Uh, that all comes first, okay. first. Yeah, I know it is a mouthful. Uh, the first two full weekends of September, um, and so when we look at it on a breeding population level, which we do back in June, um, we see somewhere in the neighborhood about eleven, about eleven, a little over eleven million. Um, white-winged doves in our urban areas. And so what you can do is you can almost double that, what will be available September 1st, because most of our surveys occur before the peak of the the breeding seasons to 
And so, so you're seeing probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 million white-winged doves that are available September 1st or when opening season occurs in your area, uh, whatever that may be, uh, available to hunters in Texas. Uh huh. And then how many white-wings do we typically harvest annually? So it's been, obviously, as we've seen white-wings expand across the landscape in Texas, uh, both in range and population numbers, uh, we have seen uh, white-winged dove uh, harvest increase. Uh, two years ago was probably the highest, according to Fish and Wildlife Service estimates. It was almost 2 million birds, and it down-ticked a little bit last year, about 1.5 million. Hmm. And so probably expect somewhere around that range within those numbers again this year, between 1.5 and 2 million white-winged doves will be harvested in the state of Texas. Wow. Well, and you know, it's all uh, based on, on where you live, where you where you go travel to to hunt. Uh, but for me, it's like, you know, if you're duck, let's let's put it in these terms. If you're duck hunting and, you know, you get a, you're shooting teal and then a nice flock of pintails come in, well, everyone gets real excited about that. Up here in North Texas, we shoot mostly morning dove. And so you see those high-flying white wings and everybody just uh, gets riled up when, when you get into a good group of those. Yeah, no, it's, it, you know, the nice thing is here in, in Texas, and most people outside the state of Texas don't realize, we really do, um, most folks just combine the two species, but they definitely are two different hunting experiences, uh, whether you're hunting morning doves or white-winged doves. And, and uh, from someone that's not, uh, grew up around white-winged dove populations, it, it reminds me of goose hunting back home. And so uh, it's definitely a, a, a challenge. Uh, you get those high flyers coming down in the field. Yeah, yeah, you just got to put about four foot of lead on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let that uh, seven and a half shot, you know, get your money's worth. But hey, man, always great to uh, touch base with you. I hope that that over under treats you well this fall. We'll shoot straight, buddy. All right, thank you, Cable. Appreciate it. All right, there he goes, our Texas Parks and Wildlife Dove Program leader. Also handles uh, rails, sandhill crane, other non-web-footed uh, bird species. But Sean Oldenberger, always great touching base with him. Uh, that segment of the show, by the way, brought to you by the all-new Driveover Chalk. If you're hauling a Jeep, ATV, golf cart, four-wheeler, or otherwise out to the Dove Patch this fall, then you need to check out the Driveover Chalk. You install it right there on your flatbed trailer, then you drive your vehicle over the Chalk, and you dock it. It's that simple, and you'll get free shipping if you go to driveoverchalk.com and use the promo code CABLE. Or Lone Star, that's over 50 bucks in savings. So dock it with the all-new Drive-Over Chalk. All right, let's take a break. Up next, we'll be joined by the First Lady of Hunting's royal family. Lover, hater, well, I don't see how anyone would hate her. But whether you like her or not, uh, or maybe you think, hey, she's just riding daddy's coattails. Whatever the case, Eva Shockey has proven to be a legitimate hunter and uh, about as nice a person as you'll find in the outdoor industry, a great role model for young women as well. She joins us next. We'll talk some big game hunting and hear all about motherhood and her brand new book right here on Lone Star Outdoor Show. But I learned more on the freight docks dropping forklifts on the 3 o'clock a.m. shift in the wintertime, man, it got cold. Selling guitars on the West Coast, going hungry, chasing ghosts around and around. 
Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Need a new car or truck or your current vehicle worked on? Then stop by my buddy Justin's shop in Garland. Accelerate Auto Group does everything from oil changes to engine swaps. Scratch paint to custom car and truck builds, they do it all. Sales and consignment on everything from cheap commuter cars to investment grade, classics, and exotics. Also, all you outdoorsmen out there, check out the Kevlar coating for your truck. Always looking for good vehicles to buy as well. Call 469-300-9669 or visit AccelerateAutoGroup.com today. So you know I love my guns, and one of my favorite hobbies is target shooting. Grant Stinchfield here. Recently, I got to experience what it's like to shoot at the Rockwall Gun Club. It's an amazing place sitting on 70 acres, but what makes the Rockwall Gun Club so special is not just its first-class state-of-the-art facilities. Yes, it even has a 500-yard rifle range where your results show up on an iPad. But for me, it's the private atmosphere. It's like a country club for gun owners, 100% members only. And what's so cool is that many of the members are law enforcement officers, so it's common to be shooting next to the pros. The Rockwall Gun Club has 19 100-yard rifle stations, 19 25-yard pistol stations, and if archery is your thing, there's even a range for bow hunters. Now is the time to act. Become a founding member like me. The incentives they're offering are too good to pass up. The Rockwall Gun Club offers family and corporate memberships. Visit rockwallgunclub.com to set up a tour and see firsthand what it's like to be part of a private shooting experience. Visit rockwallgunclub.com. That's rockwallgunclub.com. Tell them Grant Stinchfield sent you. Howdy friends, Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. Hey, this is Major League Fishing Pro Brent Ayler. Thanks for listening to Lone Star Outdoor Flashback to Fallujah. Lost another best friend. Three tours of duty, and you're wondering when it's all gonna end. Bodies broken and bone shattered. Blood and dust in your mouth. Getting weary, but you're running with the few and the proud. That one still gives me chills every time I hear it. Slade Cleave still fighting the war. Great tune there. I'm Cable Smith. And thank you guys and gals for tuning in to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsors as well, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Uh, speaking of Lone Star Beer, come see me at the Lone Star Beer display at the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza in San Antonio this weekend. I'll be out there. Come say hi, trade hunting and fishing stories, and Grab a cold Lone Star Beer. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Well, moving right along here, our next guest is, uh, well, she's no stranger to the show. She joins us uh, every so often, and we've covered a myriad of topics over the years uh, from her start in the hunting industry. Uh, a little background on Eva Shockey, obviously, <laughs> you know her dad, uh, her brother, uh, one of the best cinematographers in outdoor television, he, Brandlin, uh, he's been on the show as well. Uh, but Eva 
she had no intentions of getting into hunting until uh, basically after college. And call it what you want to, but the young lady took an opportunity and grabbed hunting by the, we'll just say she grabbed the bull by the horns and has been off and running with it ever since. I think the only female in recent memory, maybe ever, to appear on the cover of Field and Stream magazine. Uh, anyway, a longtime friend, one of the true sweethearts and just all-around good people in the outdoor industry and a new mother as well, Eva Shockey, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a treat. I, I, I guess we probably visit about once a year or so and Man, a lot has changed since the last time we talked for uh, for you guys. Yeah, there's been it's been busier than ever, and it was already pretty busy. So it's, <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, I was a little surprised. You know, when you announced the news that you were pregnant, uh, you've you've got this amazing career going, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of women, maybe more on the selfish part, would have put that on the back burner um, at least for a little while. Yeah, thank you. It's it's definitely harder to do everything with a brand new baby and that kind of thing. But and I it is on the back burner as far as it's not as important anymore as it was before because now my priority is obviously my my daughter and my family. But it's still I th- I think I really believe you can kind of do more than just one thing. You can if you love something and you have a passion for it, you can still incorporate it in your daily life, and it's still possible to do a little bit of everything. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And now, how old is Lenny Bow now? She is, she'll be seven months this week. Wow, wow. Time flies, time flies. I was telling you, I've got uh, three of them now, a four-year-old son and twin girls that are two and a half, and every day is an adventure, I'll tell you what. I I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, um, you know, hunting season is coming up here. Obviously, well, for me, September 1st means dove season, and then I'll leave for an elk hunt September 8th. Uh, so it is fast approaching. Uh, what hunts do you have planned, and are you going to be like uh, the Lukoskis and just uh, get an RV and take the whole family on the road, or how are you going to balance that? Uh, as much as I would love to do what they have, uh, my husband doesn't isn't in the industry that I'm in, so he has an actual <laughs> real big boy job. He does commercial real estate here in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I unfortunately can't just get an RV, and if I do, I'm going to be the one driving and being a mom and <laughs> doing everything. So um, I'll have to do a little more traditional. So I will be going on a few hunts this fall for sure. We have we live here, like I said, in Raleigh. We have some land here locally and then some land in Virginia that we'll hunt on. I have a Roosevelt elk hunt in Oregon with, with Leupold, which will be really fun in uh, November, I think. Uh-huh. And then October, I'll be doing whitetails in Saskatchewan. Might try to do a fall bear hunt. Um, I don't have a whole bunch locked in just because I, I have a book coming out this month, and I've been keeping a lot of my schedule open for the book tour and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I do want to talk about the book here in just a second. But first, go back to, I know you guys live in North Carolina, like you said, in Raleigh. Uh, man, you guys have some giant bears in North Carolina. Yes, I'd love to take credit for them, but they were here way before we moved <laughs> here. They, my dad and I came hunting here, um, just on eastern, where were we, Hyde County, in North Carolina a few years ago, and we both shot the biggest bear we've ever hunted. <laughs> Mine was, I think, 510 pounds, and Golly. his was 600, 600 and something. It was just unbelievable. And while we were in camp, the actual, I think the second biggest of the state came into camp because they weighed them in at weigh stations and it was 
784 pounds. Oh, my God. I <laughs> we were there, and we saw it with our very own eyes. It was incredible. Well, so I've hunted black bear in Alberta, and obviously they hibernate up there. But, you know, you have, like, these 700-pound bears all the way down to Florida, and I think they get that big because they don't hibernate that far south. Do they hibernate in North Carolina? You know, I'm not sure the answer to that I question. bet you they don't. I, I don't think they get that big I, if they do. I would guess that they don't because it's so warm. Same with out of Vancouver Island. They're just, it's kind of mild, and it's not like Alberta where they need to go, <laughs> go to sleep for a while to get rid of all the winter season. But, yeah. I'm, you know, I wish I could answer that, and I should. I would imagine they don't, but I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to put my name on that on yeah. that opinion. Cause well, not. I mean, you and your dad are the ones. I, I never knew they had giant black bear in North Carolina until I saw these behemoths that y'all had harvested there, so. Uh, we we really didn't either. It was one of those things that people told us about, and I find that people tell us a lot of things, and sometimes it's a little bit of exaggeration because people get so excited about seeing an animal. You know, they say, oh, it was like the antlers were 500 points, and you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I think all of us hunters are guilty of that once in a while, but they really did tell us the truth about these in North Carolina. These bears are humongous. They just eat so much. They eat corn and whatever else. They're just big, round balls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, so you've been in this industry for, you know, a number of years now, and your experience continues to grow and grow. As you've had the opportunity to hunt different animals all over the world, tell me what is your favorite to this day? What, if you could just hunt one thing, what would it be? Um, if I could hunt one thing consistently, like year after year, for the rest of my life, and that was the only thing ever, I think I would hunt um, white-tailed deer just because I think every hunt is so different and the experience is different, and you can follow, you can track them year to year on the stealth cams and that kind of thing. I love that mm -hmm. aspect of it. But if I think my favorite hunt, if I would just look at a snapshot, it would be in the Yukon with my dad for moose just because that's he's in his happy place there. I love seeing him in his element. It's sort of the best quality time that we get together every year because you're so unplugged. There's no service anywhere, um, and that's and obviously just hunting for moose. Moose in general, just an incredible animal. So that that would probably be it. So how much does oh. a Yukon moose weigh? Is it like 15? I'm just curious because I uh, just got back from South Africa. My buddy shot a Cape buffalo, and that was the biggest animal I've ever seen in person. Put my hands on, you know. And I was just curious. Is a Yukon moose as big as a Cape buffalo or bigger? I have no idea. Um, I don't know how much this Cape Buffalo weighs. Like I would 1,200, 1,300 pounds. Bigger, yeah, it's bigger. So oh, my God. <laughs> a moose, yeah, 1,500, sort of. I mean, they can be up to 2,000. I'm sure they can be more, but roughly we kind of approximate 1,500 pounds is generally what a big bull moose would weigh. I can't even give imagine. Give or take a little bit. Yeah, yeah and they're huge. They're huge and, I mean, just that's not, I guess, that much bigger than what a Cape Buffalo is as far as just the number on the scale, but... The Cape Buffalo obviously has short little legs, and moose have really tall, really long legs. So when you get up to them on the ground, I mean they're they're huge. Or if you were to stand up when they're standing up beside you, I mean they're just ginormous behemoth animals. Yeah, yeah. Well, now your dad has uh, he's got two grandbabies. Uh, what, is he planning on slowing down at all, and or is he still going to be a world traveler like he's he's been all these years? Um, he will always be a world traveler, and I don't think he'll ever slow down as far as just sit down and relax because it's just not in his nature. Even if he's on vacation, he can't, he cannot relax for even a minute, <laughs> but he, he is, I think he's doing a little less overseas in the future coming uh -huh. up. I think he'll just stick a little more to North America because there's a lot of stuff in North America that he's been so busy overseas hunting. He hasn't had a chance to come back home and do something closer to home. So I think he's maybe going to do a little more of that. Him and my mom actually just uh, bought a house here in North Carolina 
I don't think they've told anyone, but they bought a house here and they're going to come use it as a sort of a second home. So we'll spend a little time here, a little time in Canada and kind of go back and forth because that's where the two grand babies are. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. No, your dad is like my wife. We go on vacation, go to the beach and like my wife has all these activities planned. I'm like, I just want to sit on the beach with a margarita, you know, I want to just do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. But my dad would, his personality is like, if we're going to sit on the beach with a margarita, he's going to be the best sitter on the beacher in the world. Yeah. Like, he, has yeah. <laughs> he has to win at whatever is happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, no doubt. Well, so tell us about the new book. Uh, I really want to talk about that as well. And I know this has been a long time coming. So i uh, love for you to, to tell us a little bit about what you have going on there. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, the book is called Taking Aim. And it launches officially August 29th. So that's just in a couple weeks from now, which is incredible because we've been working on this for a long time. And it is, I guess to describe it, it is stories of my life. It's sort of stories from my youth uh, all through my upbringing and now into my current life and sort of along the way, mostly hunting stories, but just family-related stories. But the underlying tones of the book is to inspire people and encourage people to get out there and just follow their passions, follow their dreams, and not worry about what people have to say in the meantime. If it's something you want to do, go do it and just push through the naysayers and the negativity, and in the end, it'll be worth it. So that all those stories are meant to encompass that. And at the by the end of the book, I want them to walk away and just feel empowered. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you've taken a lot of pride in that uh, in your career, especially when it comes to young females, I think. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, an increasing number of these young female hunters and they obviously look up to you. Uh, so I applaud you for, uh, for being such a great role model, role model, uh, for all those just girls, but I think especially they, they gravitate towards you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's something that means a lot to me. And I think I, I do that naturally because when I was young, um, my mom does not hunt. She never was, never will be a hunter. It's not just not in her. Uh, and she was kind of my role model growing up and I don't regret that at all. I still am very much like her, but I never had any female in my life or anyone to look at and say, Oh, that's a girl and she's hunting and, you know, she's a classy lady, but she still loves being outdoors and in camo. So I never had that. And I, that's why it took me so long to get into hunting. And I wish I would have had uh, some female in some aspect of my life that I could have seen and been like, Oh, if she can do it, I can do it. So that's something that I, I try really hard to be that person for people if they don't have anyone. And maybe they do have someone, but it's nice. I love when people come up to me and say, I didn't know any girls that hunted. I didn't know it was okay for girls to hunt. And I saw you hunting and saw you on social media or whatever. And because of that, I, I you know, I, I started hunting. I started shooting a bow. I started shooting a gun. I sat in a tree stand, anything like that. I think it's it's incredible and it's very rewarding for um, when I hear anything like that from somebody. Right on. Well, the book is called Taking Aim, and it uh, hits shelves August 29th. Is that correct? It's correct. It is available right now for pre-order. On If you go to evashaki.com, it's on there. Um, and it's also, we have something kind of cool. I, I cook a lot. I do a lot of wild game recipes, and I post about it all the time. And it's hard to kind of post recipes on social media. It's just, I mean, they're so quick, it's hard to post them on there and really give people a lot of detail. So I put my favorite recipes together, and it's available. If you pre-order Taking Aim, you automatically will be able to get my recipe book um, from doing that. So if you go to evashaki.com, all the information's on there. Very cool, very cool. All right, well, last thing, give us your favorite moose recipe, because I imagine uh, it's probably included in there. And I know moose is... It is, yes. 
<laughs> I have quite a few. And I, actually, the recipe book, which is kind of unique, it doesn't really discriminate which wild game you use. You generally can just mix and match if you have moose, use moose. If you have deer, use deer. I use a lot of elk just because that's what I have in my freezer. But my favorite moose recipe growing up, my mom made moose fajitas, which that is in the recipe book. And it's you marinate it uh, overnight and then you you cook a big roast on the barbecue and then you slice it really thin and put it with fajita toppings. And it is mm. the greatest thing. Oh, it's making my mouth water. Just <laughs> Mine too. Well, awesome stuff. Okay. Taking aim August 29th. Y'all check it out. Uh, Eva Shockey, always a pleasure. Thanks again. Congrats on, well, she's not a little baby anymore, but uh, Lenny Bo, seven months old. And uh, <laughs> I know they do. They, they do every day. Like you said, is an adventure and, uh, yeah, just soak it in because I, I don't, I don't even remember. It's been, my girls are two and a half and I, I don't even remember what they were like when they were seven months old. So yeah, because <laughs> it's still a blur. <laughs> it is. It is. So enjoy it. Thank you so much. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, Eva. Bye-bye. The darling of the hunting industry, <laughs> Eva Shockey, always a treat. Uh, what a gentle spirit and just fine young woman. And no, don't get your heads out of the gutter, fellas. That is not the fine that I'm referring to. Uh, but great stuff with Eva as always, uh, that segment of the program proudly brought to you by Pulsar night vision and thermal imaging scopes. If you're looking to up your game under the cover of darkness, look no further than the new Pulsar trail. When it comes to thermal image quality and clarity, there is no match. I just slapped one on my AR and that thing is a bad M. You know what? Er. <laughs> you can find it at PulsarNV.com and uh, save 20% if you use the promo code Lone Star. That's Lone Star when you check out at PulsarNV.com. Well, let's take a break. Up next, uh, we'll get into whether or not, and, and this is uh, interesting because last week at the Fort Worth Trophy Hunters Extravaganza, they had protesters out in front of the expo hall. And so I went out there and read some of the signs, recorded them doing this with my phone, and just told them how ignorant they were. I was nice and cordial, smile on my face. Uh, but at the end of the day, how much stupidity can really be tolerated? Uh, signs that say hunting isn't conservation. Uh, take photos, not lives. Photos don't pay to keep animals alive. Hunting does. And so we'll pick the brain of John X Safari's second-generation owner and operator, Carl Van Seal. Uh, my PH in South Africa a couple weeks ago. We'll get his thoughts on what American dollars really do for conservation on the dark continent. And that's coming at you next, right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Hey y'all, Cable here for Accelerate Auto Group, owned by my childhood baseball buddy. They're a full-service dealership and service restoration and customization facility in Garland, specializing in cool truck customizations, lift kits, performance upgrades. They'll even Kevlar your entire truck or its bed. The perfect heavy-duty finish for hunting and fishing. Accelerate Auto Group also offers 100% custom truck builds. The sky is the limit. Visit AccelerateAutoGroup.com or call 469-300-9669 today. 
In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. The sun's coming up and I'm coming in With another I'm sorry won't happen again I can't understand why she never ran When anybody in their right mind would Yeah Hard man to love, Kevin Fowler, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith riding shotgun with you today. Thanks to uh, our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players. Thanks to you for being here as well. And, uh, and that Kevin Fowler tune goes out to all the ladies out there who stand by their man even when we're hard to love, which uh, I know my wife is already gritting her teeth because... September 1st is this week. It'll be dove and then elk hunting in Colorado, mule deer as well. Then come back for a couple early teal hunts before I head off to New Mexico. And, you know, just it never ends. Then there's indiscriminate white tail hunting in Texas and Oklahoma and all over God's green earth. Uh, so, the more I think about it, maybe that song just goes out to her because uh, <laughs> she still loves me even though I am a hard man to love uh, for about, well, when is, it really isn't a non-hunting season. Maybe like June and July, eh, right? Maybe. Uh, Anyway, Cable Smith here, and uh, we're about to get into a little uh, conservation discussion with our friend Carl Van Seal of John X Safaris. I had the pleasure of, of hunting with him for a week, uh, a couple weeks ago. Maybe July is still hunting season after all. Uh, but we had some interesting conversations about what American dollars do really on the ground in not just South Africa, but all across the dark continent. And so we'll jump into that here in a second. But first, this segment is brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds and Barbecue Pits and Smokers. Hey, they've got it all, including the damn fish feeder. That's right. If you're trying to grow those big bass, like I know a lot of you folks are, then why don't you grab the damn fish feeder and put it up on your damn damn. <laughs> Start uh, feeding those lunkers, get them to seven, eight, nine, maybe even 10 pounds. You can find the damn fish feeder at allseasonsfeeders.com. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and uh, and play our interview with PH and second generation uh, owner and operator of John X Safaris, my good friend, Carl Van Seal. We taped this in his trophy room right there uh, on South Africa's Eastern Cape about two weeks ago. Well, Carl, um, we're sitting here in the uh, trophy room 
at the Woodlands, uh, which I would like to talk. Let's talk about the Woodlands. Let's talk about what this place is, what it means to you, and, and why this is such a, a special uh, 30,000 30, acres. It's a massive place. Yeah, Cable. Um, we started this business, not me. I was very lucky. My dad and my mom, Rick and Sue Fonseil, started this business in 1983. Um, at the time, we were based at a small railside station in the Great Karoo. Um, since then, our business grew. We then relocated to the Gramsun area in the Eastern Cape here. And uh, we, we, we started what was then initially a, a rather um, small operation with uh, about five to 8,000 acres, our first property we had down there. That later got built uh, into a 25,000 acre game reserve, Big Five, offering both photographic and hunting. And uh, in 2016, we had the opportunity uh, to to sell up uh, and, 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 and go after something that uh, we had always dreamt about. It's taken us more than 30 years to get to. And we bought Woodlands. Um, Woodlands was, was a dream for us. It was something we always wanted. We always thought if we could get to that stage to have 30,000 acres um, to offer our hunters a unique experience of how we see uh, Africa should be for somebody coming here um, and, 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 and what we wanted out of a lodge, what we wanted maybe out of a pub, what we want out of a veranda, the experiences we want to create around a campfire in the evenings. It is something that many hunters of the years have experienced with us, they've built with us and all of that came together um, and, 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 and all of that is due to the support of the American hunter, the, mm -hmm. the, the guys who are the true heroes um, during the course of the safari while traveling during the days, early mornings. Uh, you and I have had numerous conversations about this and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I recall telling you often on numerous occasions, you know, the real hero and, and the, real, the, 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 the real people who make this happen is the American hunter. And they deserve so much more credit than what they are given. Um, if, if, if more people knew what you guys do for our hunting for conservation in in south africa and southern africa east africa uh it is unbelievable if, if if you guys just know the amount of dollars flowing into these areas into marginal areas that could never be photographic areas um at the end of the day africa has to work on a sustainable model and that sustainability can come from either ecotourism or it can come from hunting um some areas just never going to attract the eco-tourist. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is due to the location, due to the offer. But there's something special about that hunter who likes a faraway place. He likes the adventure to get there. He likes the adventure of being in a wild area that doesn't have everything that opens and closes, that enjoys the fact and thrives in an environment that sees him challenged, that sees him maybe not as comfortable as the eco-tourist would like it. But that's part of his adventure. And... And, and that is what, what hunters have done for these marginal areas, for these communal areas. Um, they've, they've turned areas that were basically desolate. Um, they, they, they're the reason why there's game today. They're the reason why there are wells today. Uh, we reinvest that money that hunters spend with us. and we. Um, I want to stop you there because you sold Lollibella, yeah. which was the, uh, the previous preserve. Yeah. You had a chance to just go buy a, a house on the beach, on the ocean, fish, and just, I mean, that opportunity was there for you. Yeah, I and think you, it was, Gable, but it was never, 
a option. For no, us. but that's where I'm, that's where I'm yeah. going. Is, yeah. is you could have done that, but this is where your heart is. Yeah, you know, we've been. You know, I was like, it's in your blood. Since I've been a little boy, this is all I've done. It's all I've dreamed about. It's all I work for every day, and it's. I believe in in something in my mind. What I'm trying to create. Um, I have a vision. Uh, part of that is right here at Woodlands. There's a couple of cliffs, and on any given safari, I'll take my hunters onto those cliffs, and uh, I've, I've shared one of those with you. Um, and and I sit quietly up there, and I, I I I have a vision, and right now that vision is is amazing. And ten years from now, it's going to be unbelievable. Um, where I would like to see that big old Nyala bull step out across the valley. I'd like mm-hmm. to see a kudu bull with these females on the opposite ridge. I'd like to see the shy bushbuck sort of uh, quietly making his way through the undergrowth, a big old warthog boar burrowing down at the waterhole. Those are the, some of the visions I have on a daily basis, what I'm trying to achieve. And and those dreams and those visions just are not ca- not possible without the American hunter. And and for that, I'm so grateful. I, 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 I'm so blessed to have the, the clientele we have have the guys who come here and spend the money and and add to this this project because we're so far from done we're so far from where we want to be at the moment we're just trying to get through the drought we're trying to get waters right we're trying to get our animals uh, where they will make it through with us the minute the rains come this place is going to change and yeah. it's going to be and you you guys are mired in the worst drought in history yeah i i actually had an old timer um, when we moved to this area last november I had an old timer come over, one of my neighbors, and he said to me, he said, young man, I've been here for 60 years. He said, this is the worst you're ever going to see it. I said, how so? He said, well, in 60 years, I've never seen this. He said to me, if you're going to make this, you're going to make anything. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping so far we're making it. Um, thank goodness for you guys coming here and, and hunting some of the older animals that are that we are losing some animals in the drought, but luckily we are taking off quite a lot of those numbers instead of losing them. Mm-hmm that uh, you guys can take them home as trophies. And, 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 and those trophies we're taking off are um, taking care of the future generation of that species. So in, in this drought, it's even more important than ever before that we do have hunters here, that we are taking off numbers. Absolutely. Um, it's protecting the land from being, you know, overgrazed, uh, especially under these extreme conditions. And I told you, you know, back home in Texas, three years ago, <laughs> Boy, we had water restrictions even in like yeah. North Texas. West Texas was, there were fires all the time. Uh, our pheasant and quail basically, oh, we didn't know if they'd ever come back. Yeah. And the rains came back and, and they, they rebounded. Yeah. And, you know, and in the, the whole thing from from the quail to the rabbits to the predators that you just started seeing more and more and more. And, yeah. um, and that it will come back for you. You know that. Yeah. Um, so what I want to ask you is this beautiful 30,000 acre ranch. Yeah. What would be here right now today if American hunters didn't come and support um, hunting here in South Africa? Okay, right now. We, and it's not and not just this ranch. Yeah, but, everywhere. It's, it's yeah. the same model. Uh, my competitors who, who, who form this wonderful industry with us, who are so important in this industry, um, for our game and our wildlife, it's important um, to realize that today, and we're going to use Woodland Safari Estate as a, as a example. We have thirty thousand acres. We have three and a half thousand head of game here. That's what we that's what we carry here across twenty different species. Okay, all occurring naturally here. If they were not here, this would have been a goat ranch. 
you would have expected to have about 1500 to 1800 goats on this property and it would be in tatters i can tell you that much goats are just so much harder on the terrain so much harder on uh, the brush on their feeding habits they pick out the best it's not like your game you have game select different types of vegetation to feed on they live different distances from the water if you had domestic stock it would all be tramped out around the waters that will be the, the area they congregate first and from there they would spread further and wider from the water and basically in a drought like this you would really have to drop your numbers to make it through mm-hmm. where the game can survive they, they 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 take this drought in their stride and you you will always lose some animals in a season like this but not like you would domestic stock yeah Oh, and I have nothing against goats, personally. No, but, neither uh, do I, or but cattle. seeing all of this wildlife, I mean, in, in you know, uh, the anti-hunters, and you guys call them the greenies yeah. over here, uh, they can't wrap their mind around the fact that by killing something, you're saving it. Listen, every animal dies. Every yeah. animal dies. Nothing lives forever. What do they think is going to happen? So here we have a situation where, okay, I'm going to start putting it like this. I told you, I think... Maybe if it pays, it stays, doesn't resonate nah, with them. It doesn't they don't get it. So maybe I'll say this. Would you rather have a place where there are 100 Cape buffalo and every year hunters take 10 of them? Yeah. Mature bulls. Yeah. Every year. And then you have, you know, you have your, your calves and, you, yeah. it's, you know, you're always at about that carrying capacity. Or would you rather have no Cape buffalo? Yeah. on a place? Zero. Because that, 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 that's the that's alternative. That's the argument. That's the argument. That's where we're at. And, and and it seems like they cannot wrap their mind around it. And and even here in South Africa, where we do not have the extreme that you guys have uh, back in the U.S. But from our side, we'd like to challenge every single hunter in Texas, everybody listening to to your show, Cable. Try and educate one one person who is sitting on the fence, the person in the middle. You're not going to change the guy who's the extremist. He's mm-hmm. never going to change. You're never going to get him onto our side. But take a youngster, take somebody who does not have an opinion, and I challenge you just to go and introduce him to the pastime of hunting. I'm not saying go out and kill something. I'm not saying you have to take him to the range. I'm saying share a story. Share 10 minutes, 20 minutes. If he's more interested, she's more interested, please take them out to the outdoors. Show them the wildlife. Show them what's thriving. Show them why we love this. If every one of us takes on one person you, there's millions of you out there, we can make a difference. Just one. Every one of you, just take on one. That's the plead we, we say. And I, I tell every one of my hunters, don't preach to the choir. We're all singing from the same hymn sheet. Let's get some more more singers into our choir with us, you know. Mm. Well, I, I have to say, um, the Dallas Fire Club is coming out with this new, it's going to be very pr- provocative, thought-provoking campaign called Hunt for Life. Yeah. You're going to see it in September. They're going to unleash it. It's through the DSC Foundation. Okay. And I think that that uh that is that is a, such a perfect phrase. Hunt yeah. for life because yeah. that's what we're doing. Yeah, no, and and it's excellent. And and what and and, and while we're on the Dallas Safari Club, okay, well, you are really from from our side, from the fresh lanterns here in South Africa, the outfitters. What Dallas Safari Club does for us is just truly amazing. Forget about the show. The show is 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 the culmination of so much work each year, and we go down there, and and we book hunts down there, and and the folks down at Dallas Safari Club are so welcoming. Uh, it's so nice to go to Texas. So nice to be doing that show there, where the president of the 
the club comes and shakes our hand and welcomes us and brings us a cup of coffee in the mornings um i i think that the, the folks running dallas for club they need to know how much we appreciate that what it means to us to see them there to have the help from all the volunteers there's so many of them that help us set up that show it, it's so different to any other shows we do in the U.S. It, it, it is our favorite show. I'm it's proud not, to be one of those ones. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's so fantastic that, that those guys are out there, that girls and guys, and, and, and going to just dealing with Dallas Safari Club. It is fantastic. But what Dallas Safari Club does coming out here every year, our Fresh Alliance Association, FASA, um, we, we, we have our annual convention every year. And, and without Dallas Safari Club, we could never raise the funds. They... They kindly sponsor a booth every year and we go out bidding for that booth, trying to raise funds for our organization. And we could never, ever reach our goals on funding side for the various conservation initiatives we have here if it wasn't for Dallas Safari Club. Mm. It, 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 from the days of Gray Thornton right through to Ben Carter, Dallas has been with us every step of the way and they've never let us down. So we are so appreciative of that. And to everybody at Dallas Safari Club, you guys are doing one hell of a job and we really appreciate of that. Thank you. Well, it's a two-way street, my friend. So, yeah. I mean, you guys are what make make the show, make the, the convention. Uh, and then the friendships that result from that, you know, we've that's where we first met. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and now, now I'm here sitting in your trophy room yeah. in uh, a new lodge on the East Cape of South Africa. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I want to just reiterate hunt for life, take someone new hunting, convince the person on the fence. Cause like Carl said, you're not going to convince the extremists that they're too far gone They're uh, And it's sad that our society, like people are so detached from reality. Uh, this is what humans have done from the beginning of time is hunt for food. Yeah. And, and now sustainable use hunting is the only model. And that's, it doesn't matter if it's North America or South Africa, but, uh, thanks for having me here, Carl. It's been, it's been a blast. The good times have been many and we're going to go make some more. Yeah. Um, Gab, we are due for a big old Elon <laughs> bull. There's a lot of them out here. Let's go and hunt hard. Let's find what we're after and let's go and make memories. Sounds good. And there you have it. Uh, and by the way, later that afternoon, we would get that Elon bull. Um, on what was uh, one of my favorite hunts uh, of the safari. Uh, incorporated a uh, over a mile stalk, glassing lots and lots of time behind the glass. If you're not aware of that fact about especially South Africa and the East Cape, lots of elevation change. It reminds me of the Texas Hill Country and then some areas even of uh, West Texas, you know, mountains five, 6,000 feet high. So lot of time behind the vortex optics. There's no doubt about that. Uh, that segment of the show proudly brought to you by Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue, where you can stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner and enjoy Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue. And and uh, it was also brought to you by John X Safaris. I'm going back June 22nd through the 30th next summer. I've got five spots. I think just four now. I think one of them's already gone. Uh, but I will be taking five hunters with me. If you're interested, uh, want to know more about this epic adventure, shoot me an email to Lone Star Show at gmail.com. Let's knock out a break. Up next, an exciting new product uh, for this hunting season that I can't wait to tell you all about, especially for anyone that uses uh, any kind of scent or attractant to lure in whitetail or uh, hogs or even predators. Um, scent Blaster's 
creator, Heath Hardwick, joins us live in studio next on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Listen to the radio. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. Get me wrong, they still taste good, but not as good as they did back then. Back in those drinking days, and all of those parties, we sure had it made. Well, they hurt like a mother, but I sure did love That's them. That's the latest from Pat Green. Back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show Drinking Days, the name of that tune there. I'm Cable Smith. Thank you guys and gals for being here. Uh, it is a treat to be talking outdoors with you each and every week. Episode 393. Can y'all believe that? We're coming up on episode 400. Been doing this a long time. Back before, uh, really back before there were podcasts. I mean, we put the show on the radio all over Texas and... And kind of a byproduct of that was, yeah, we got to put it on iTunes. Uh, and that's what a podcast was called back then. Nobody knew what the hell a podcast even was. So here we are, uh, nearly seven and a half, eight years later. And all I can say is thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to listen. Because if y'all don't listen, then I'm wasting my time. Uh, so I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in, whether you're listening on the radio or the podcast. Well, uh, what do y'all say we talk some sense? And I'm not talking about sense, like common sense. I'm talking about sense. Like during the rut, do you use Doe Estrus or maybe you use, you know, some kind of Code Blue or Tink 69? Do you use something for hogs? Do you use an attractant, a liquid-based attractant to lure and game? And if you do, this segment is for you. And if you don't, Maybe you bow hunt or you rifle hunt and you sit in a blind or in a tree stand. You're still going to be interested in this because uh, the scent blaster can be used as a cover scent as well. So what is a scent blaster? We're going to get into that right now with our longtime friend. And we'll go into that here momentarily. But our longtime buddy, uh, Heath Hardwick. Thanks for being here, man. That's good to see you again, Cable. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd say welcome to the show for the first time. 
but that would be hardly accurate <laughs> since you came on, uh, I think it was about once a month for the better part of like two years. Yeah, I know. Back when we were just both getting started in the outdoor world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in, in Heath's previous life, uh, he was a bass fishing guide on Lake Fork. Yep. And talk about that a little bit because you actually were in business and they were like, no, 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 screw that. I want to be a fishing guide, and you, you moved to Emory, Texas, and by God, you became a- by God, yes, exactly. It's a, it's kind of an interesting story. I was a worked in an aircraft industry. I was a mechanical engineer for a couple of the major uh, aerospace companies, and uh, got about eighteen years of that into my belt. And I mm-hmm. said, this is not a whole lot of fun anymore. So I decided to follow one of my passions. So I moved out to Lake Fork and I started guiding out there and doing some tournament fishing. And uh, from there, that's where mine and your paths crossed. I was doing your monthly uh, Lake Fork fishing report for a while. And so while I was out there fishing, making a living doing that, I uh, had a couple of guys come get my boat one day. And so that that opened up another business opportunity. And so I went and followed that for a couple of years and was successful there. Got out of that business and so was able to start uh, Heron Outdoors. And that's kind of where we dreamed up Scent Blaster. Yeah. And that's where our paths are crossed again. I mean, when I needed a spokesman and needed somebody trusted, I reached out to you to kind of help me get the word out. Yeah. And you called me, I think it was probably four or five months ago. You said, hey, uh, Cable, it's been a long time. Uh, I was like, oh, it's great to hear from you, Heath. You're like, you want to go fishing? I was like, you want? You mean you want me to go bass fishing on Lake Fork? I mean, is water wet? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so uh, we went, we caught a couple fish and... Uh, we went to lunch and you said, Hey, I want you to look at this, this product. And at that point it was just a prototype, a rough design. Um, and I don't even think it had a name. No, we hadn't named it yet. It was just, Hey, look at this and tell me what you think. Yeah. And, and, and I did, and I was like, wow, this is uh, really innovative. And, and I was drawn to and grab the, the, uh, yeah, so here it is. It's hard to kind of see visually describe on the radio, but right. the scent container, it's a two ounce reservoir. It's, it's, I said, Heath, this is what's what I'm fixated on. It looks like your iPhone or your or your your Android. It's the same size, but this is actually where you put whatever kind of attractant you, you fill it up and you slide it under the unit. Uh, but before let's 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 table that because I do want to uh, I want to know what made you come up with this idea. Well, I, I, just being an engineer, I'm always thinking, looking, and I was been watching a lot of hunting shows, and I knew you know everybody's trying to cover their scent. That was kind of the you know you got the different products that are on the market covering scent, and I looked at the market and I saw, hey, everybody's still kind of and when they're using scent. Uh-huh. They're still using it the way I did when I grew up in South Georgia when I was hunting. I mean, you got the 35 millimeter film, you got the film canister cans that you're putting in with your cotton balls. You know, there's feminine products that they're hanging. You know, I mean, and they're dragging. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're they're dragging and you know dripping and doing their things. And I thought, man, all that dries out. And what and in the days that the wind's not blowing, I mean, you really don't get a whole lot of scent out. So I'm sitting, you know, like I do. I'm driving down the road one day, and I thought, oh hell, I know what we can do. And I said, we can make a scent reservoir where it continually wicks up your scent uh-huh. and keeps the wick wet. No more dry wicks. I mean, now I thought, hell, if I put a fan in there, that just makes it 10 times better. Right. And so I went and I sat down in my office one day and I grabbed my iPhone and I laid it down <laughs> and I traced out my iPhone. And I said, that that's, that's pretty much what the scent container needs to look like. Uh-huh. And so then I adjust the thickness so that we could get an entire bottle, you know, two ounces plus a scent that would fit in the scent container. And and added a little fan to it and i started testing it back in february and the results were pretty incredible i mean the rut's over with but i'm running you know dough and heat and running different things through the unit and we were getting a lot of success so we just started 
you know, one step at a time until we got to here. Uh huh. Okay. Well, yeah. So talk a little bit about as far as the unit. Uh, it's got an internal fan in there. Mm-hmm. Runs on four AA batteries. Four AA batteries. Yeah. And um, actually, we introduced it two weekends ago. At the uh, as far as getting it out to the public, you know, we've been promoting it on social media. But uh, we introduced it at the Trophy Hunter Show in Houston yep. two yep. weeks ago. Right. Uh, followed that up in uh, Fort Worth last weekend. Exactly. And then we'll be in San Antonio uh, this weekend and then Corpus, Corpus the last week yep. of uh, August. Um, but as far as the housing goes, I mean, sturdy. It's, it's you know, water resistant. Uh, yeah. We've got it designed where it will stand a downpour. I've got the air vents and all designed where no water will go back up into it if it's just hanging here. Mm-hmm. you got a little bit of angle. There's basically no water going to get in it. The fan is CE and UL listed, rated for 50,000 hours. So, you know, the guys don't have to worry about it. It's, it's a quality fan uh-huh. and a quality unit to uh, to make sure it stands the abuse that these hunters can put it through. Yeah. And we've put it through its paces as we've been testing it. I mean, we've stuck it in the mud. We've turned it up, let it rain inside of it. You know, just pour the water out and turn sure. the fan on. It keeps going. And it's sturdy. I mean, the, all that's great, fine and dandy, but I'll tell you, for me, where it's going to get the most abuse is in my pack. Yes. Because I just throw that thing around. Right. I might be in the mountains. I might be just walking to the stand, but it gets beat to hell. Yep. Uh, sturdy unit. Y'all can hear that. Thick. Um, and the battery life, when you put the four double A's in there, should be about 50 to 60 50 hours. 50 to 60 hours, depending yeah. on what the outside temp is. But. Uh-huh. And that's... A, that's um, Convenient because that's how long the scent should last. If yeah. You just left it open. Yes, exactly. It. If you just turn it on, you put fresh batteries in there, you put two ounces of scent, and you let the wick start wicking it up, you're going to get 50, 60 hours of use out of it. So, I mean, uh-huh. the guys can just turn it on, let it run all weekend. Yeah. Don't have to go back and forth. You the, can, though, if you want. I mean, if it, you just used it for a couple hours, it said you, you know, it lasts you all season. But, oh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, uh, I envision a lot of guys will let it run all weekend long. Well, let it out on Friday afternoon, pick it up Sunday afternoon after their last hunt. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking when when we designed it. It was designed where it would last a long time, so the guys aren't in there messing up their hunting area. They put it in, they get their scent set up, and they can walk away from it and know when they get in their stand in the morning that you know they're they're putting out scent continuously. Oh yeah, yeah. And I've I've done quite a few product tests with it uh, videos. You can actually see once you put the wick in the container. In a matter of seconds, it is completely saturated. Yes, and that's something that we went and, and specially sourced was a, a wicking material that, uh-huh. that where the capillary action will actually wick it up. So once the once this thing begins saturated and you're blowing across there, it's just continually wicking up fresh scent mm-hmm. out of the scent container. So that's another advantage of this is you know the guys that are pouring it on the ground or are just you know wetting it you know with their normal wicks. This continually gets fresh scent out for you. Yeah. Well, and the, and like you said, this uh, material is like nothing else as far as the scent uh, wick is, conter- is concerned. Uh, it's made more of like out of a felt. Yes, it's a felt type material uh-huh. that is it's a lubricant. Yes, it's a lot thicker, more dense. And I mean, if you if you saturate this thing with water and just left it on your desk here, you come back tomorrow morning, same time, it's still wet. Yeah, it it will not dry out. It takes about thirty six hours for a saturated. Wick and that's just the biggest complaint for me as someone who does use. Uh, you know, I'll use estrus or, you know, uh, various other, I really like to use hog attractants uh, right. for a lot of my setups for hog hunting. Um, and those wicks dry out in a matter of three or four hours, right. especially in Texas. In, in archery season, oh, my gosh. Right. Literally, exactly. you're, it's dry before you're out of the stand right. or out of your tree. Yep. Uh, so this eliminates that problem. Um, what is the price point? Because that's what everyone's and, – and you asked me. You handed it to me, and you said once I got the idea of what this unit was and what it was designed to do – 
said, how much do you think it costs? And I was like, 75 bucks, 100 bucks. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I told you. I said, hey, nope, we're going to retail it for twenty nine ninety five, And you're like kind of blown away. And there's yeah. no way that you can sell it. I said, yes, it's going to be a twenty nine ninety five product. I want this to be an affordable product that all the hunters can afford, that you don't have to go spend a lot of money on, that you get something that's of high quality and very effective. Mm-hmm. And so that was our goal when we started designing this thing. Yeah. And the thing that's really appealing to me, Heath, is the – it's a multi-dimensional unit because it doesn't matter if you're hunting whitetail or hogs or uh, something I'm going to use, and I'm really excited about this because bears just love some nasty, potent scents. You can use this for spring bear hunting exactly. as well. Or um, you can, instead of dropping four, 500 bucks on some, you know, Ozonics or something else, I'm not knocking Ozonics, but it's expensive. Right. You hang one of these in your blind with you with your favorite cover scent. Exactly. And uh, and you're good to go there. So put a little pine or cedar or, you know, based on where you're hunting. Yeah, whatever your prominent scent, cover scent would be there for your natural habitat yeah. would be what we would recommend using here. Yeah. Um, okay, so as far as the actual wicks themselves, the unit is going to come with everything. It's going to come with the container, the unit itself, obviously, and one wick. Right. And then uh, the wicks, if you want a six-pack, are... There's a six-pack of wicks that you can get. They're five ninety-five a pack. Uh-huh. And then there's also additional scent containers that are available that are interchangeable with your unit. They're yeah. nine ninety-five. And like you were saying earlier, I mean, the guys that want to hunt with hogs, you want to go bear hunting, you want to go deer hunting, well, you can just store all your different scents in the uh, scent container. So now you could have four different containers and you can hunt hog one day and then swap out containers go hunt deer the next day and you don't have to worry about cross-contamination of your scents and that way you just keep them in there they make great when i designed it like i said we made it kind of out of a a smartphone design i mean it fits in your shirt pocket it'll go in your back pocket i mean they're pretty easy to carry around oh absolutely and that's the biggest knock is like anyone that's used scent is you come back to camp and your buddy's like why are you wearing the scent and you're like well crap happens and, right. and it's happened to me many times you right. know, can't tell you how many times i've worn dopey right uh but this eliminates that you got a you know um a, a liquid tight container here obviously and like you said just slide it into your pocket or your backpack uh and, and that's the thing is you, you get into the field well that's where you ha- that's how you get the sin on the on you right is you're having to mess with that in the field just do this at camp fill it up put it in your pocket and uh, it's convenient aspect is out of this world oh yeah i mean guides and the guys have been field testing with all this they get three or four containers out and they're just filling it up the night before yeah. they get everything cleaned up they get their hands cleaned up and it just boom when you're out there slide it in and it goes and if you know like and it gives you that allows you the chance to if you hunt in the mornings try something whatever scent you're running that didn't work slip back down in there just do a quick swap yeah. with a container and you can run a different scent that afternoon yeah well and my setup is gonna be like this especially for bow hunting i'm gonna have one in the tree with me yep cover scent and then i'm gonna have one probably 25 yards away um you know where i'm hoping to stop that big boy yes yes so. and that's you know and that's what it does i mean they'll rifle come, the same you know right it works for, it works in either case but i mean the ones that are just really gravitating to this is the archery guys mm-hmm. they see a huge advantage in the cover side of it as well as getting getting that animal to get in a little closer range you know where they can get a Get yeah. a shot at them. Okay, so here we are. We're telling people why they need this. I believe every hunter that uses scent is going to want one, uh, but they're going to want visual proof. So we have we have lots we of have, videos. We have lots and of videos. There is a scent blaster uh, YouTube channel where we've got bucks walking, and this is just like from last week. I mean, yes. just yeah. uh, in the moment stuff. Bucks walking up 
putting their nose right on it. We've got does by like groups of six and seven, all just hovering right around it. Hogs, hogs walk right up to coyotes it. walking by yeah. up to it, sniffing it. I mean, we've got a lot of video, and that's the YouTube channel that we have out there. It's uh, it's scent blaster, but you have to put hashtag scent blaster, and that'll bring you to the page. Mm-hmm. It's um hashtag scent blaster on YouTube, and that there we probably got a dozen videos out there of the the scent blaster in use of where we've been testing it. You know, in the last three four months. Yeah. Well, and I just I finally got to put one out at my lease this past week and put one of those uh, stealth cam uh, DS4Ks. Oh yeah. So we should have some high quality video exactly uh, from my place as well. Um, and what that's if- and that's another use for this thing is what we, I mean the guys that are running you know trail cams and things set up one of these kind of see what you can draw in. Uh, well, Heath, exciting stuff. I am thrilled to be in on the ground level. Well, I appreciate you, you um, joining the team. And yeah. you, you was the first guy that I thought about when we come up with this, so it was good to reunite and absolutely get, get this going and, uh, again. It's such a uh, – it really is a simple concept, but it's one that is so practical that I just don't see how anybody that uses scent isn't going to want to have one. Right. It's, it truly is a better mousetrap for guys that use yeah. scent. All right, all right, there he goes, our good friend Heath Hardwick uh, joining us here in studio today, inventor of the Scent Blaster, and don't forget, uh, they've got a great YouTube channel, also social media outlets on Instagram and Facebook, and by the way, next week, uh, actually Monday, we'll be drawing winners for uh, a Scent Blaster on both Instagram and Facebook, so we're going to give one away on each outlet and I actually am in charge of drawing the winner. So cool stuff on that front. If you haven't followed Scent Blaster on Instagram or liked the Facebook page, go and do that so that you can throw your hat in the ring for a chance to win a Scent Blaster. And hell, we'll even throw in a six-pack of wicks as well. Um, man, just looking at the clock here. We've got to go. Got to get out of here. Out of time. My least favorite part of every week. Uh, thanks to our guest today. Uh, obviously, Heath Hardwick, also Eva Shockey, uh, Sean Oldenberger from Texas Parks and Wildlife, our Dove program leader, and also our good friend Carl Van Seel of John X Safaris. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Wouldn't be here without their support. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Would you make a shallow? So I can feel the rain